Chapter 17, Right on Time. And He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 6. For Mary, I bet one of the things she felt a lot during that first Christmas was a sense of bad timing. My guess is that a constant theme in her head and heart surrounding all of those life-changing events was something like, not yet, or just wait a little longer. If only some of the things that happened to her had happened at just a slightly later time or slightly earlier time, so much about her life and the suffering she endured would be completely different. She said yes to the plan Gabriel told her about. But did the pregnancy have to happen when it did? Why then? I bet she and Joseph would have gladly agreed to postpone the commencement of their marital intimacy if only she could have gotten pregnant with the Messiah after her wedding instead of before. And did the Roman census really have to coincide with her due date? Couldn't the baby come before they had to travel 70 miles to Bethlehem on their own? If only they had been given two or three more weeks back home. And then, as soon as she and Joseph started to get settled in Bethlehem with a house and some clients for his carpentry business, along came these foreign sages from far away bearing gifts and warning them about the jealous anger of King Herod. And once again, an angel awoke Joseph in the middle of the night with orders for the little family to flee their home and country for a place they had never been, which was filled with people, a language, and a culture they did not know. But couldn't that have happened before they started really living comfortably in Bethlehem? They had finally gotten used to their new home when all of a sudden they had to leave it. Eventually, Mary and Joseph moved back to Nazareth and had more kids. At least six more kids, by the way, when more bad news struck. At some point, Joseph died, leaving Mary to raise a house full of kids on her own. Were any of them still in diapers? Did that really have to happen? And did it have to happen then? Did she have to become a widow so soon? Couldn't they have at least raised the kids together? If only Mary had been given more time with the husband who had loved her so well. I don't know what her attitude was, but it would make perfect sense for Mary to feel that a good part of her life was unfair and poorly timed. Back when Jesus was still a brand new baby, Mary and Joseph met a woman who had also been widowed at a young age. Her name was Anna, and Luke calls her a prophet. She got married when all Israeli girls did, you know, around the age of 13 or 14, and then lived with her husband for seven years when he tragically died, leaving her a widow at probably age 20 or 21. Bad timing. What do you do when the joy of your life is ripped away from you after you had just begun to really enjoy it? My wife and I have been married now for over 18 years and it only gets better and better. I can remember when we first got married and everything about it was difficult. It was hard to learn to live with someone. We thought we knew each other well before we got married only to find out that we didn't know each other at all. It took time, work, prayer, and a lot of mercy. 
but we learned each other. And after a while, it started to get sweeter and better. I can still remember year seven for us. I mean, I think we were really starting to get the hang of life together at that point. It was becoming rich and a whole lot easier. And it's been better and better every day since then. I can't imagine losing everything just when it started to really work. We don't know what Anna's life was like, really. The only thing we know is that right around the time when this young couple was starting to figure each other out and get established, their life together was over. Anna's husband was dead and gone, and she was alone. Of course, women became widows all the time, but but why then? Why so early? Why didn't they get more time together? As in Mary's case, I don't know what Anna's attitude was when this tragedy struck, but I can imagine her feeling a sense of hopelessness. It was hard for women in those days, and without a husband, a woman was on her own. Whatever Anna was feeling, and however she coped, timing remained a theme in her story. She didn't have enough of it with her husband, and now that he was gone, she didn't seem to have anything else but time. Luke tells us that she was a widow until she was 84 years old. But when you look at the original language, it seems to indicate that she was actually a widow for 84 years when she met Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. If this is the case, then it means that Anna married in her teens, was widowed in her early 20s, and then lived until she was at least 104 or 105. Luke tells us she spent every day and night in the temple in Jerusalem, praying, fasting, and worshiping the Lord without stopping. At first, she lost her husband. But by now, at her age, she must have buried everyone in her life. And yet she kept right on going. Day after day, the time dragged, but she filled it. Filled it with her love for the Lord. She stayed near Him, singing to Him, and waiting on Him to fulfill His promises. Isaiah once said, No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Anna had waited a long, long time on the Lord. Luke tells us that at the very moment Simeon was pronouncing his blessing over Jesus, Anna approached the young couple, the baby, and the old man. She gave thanks to God and spoke of the child to anyone who would listen, everyone who, like her, was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I've always wondered if Anna and Simeon were friends. Did these two know each other? Did they talk about their hope in the Messiah? Did they share stories about their long years of waiting? It's hard to be the only person you know who's holding on to hope. Did they keep each other encouraged in the midst of that anticipation? Whatever the case, Anna understood who this baby was. She understood that after thousands of years of promises, God had finally done it. He had appeared, just like Hosea said he would. Anna's old eyes were looking into the face of her Messiah. I can imagine her touching his little toes and kissing his holy forehead. With tears running down her lined face, you know she laughed and threw her hands into the air in the praises of God.
the patriarchs, prophets, kings, nobles, servants, daughters, sons, old and young, had all waited and waited and waited, and now he was here. After all those years, and out of all those people who had gone before, Anna was joyfully, unbelievably, face to face with her God. When you finally get what you've been hoping for, a funny thing happens. The waiting no longer seems like as big a deal. In fact, when your hopes are answered, the waiting transforms from a burden into a really great story. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah would be called Everlasting Father, which is a phrase that really means something more along the lines of the Father of Eternity. In other words, Isaiah was saying that the Messiah would be the maker and the manager of the clock. Jesus is eternal. He is outside of time. He is weaving every story together perfectly for our best, and He's never late. In the end, all our waiting will transform into really great stories. The one who came down at Christmas is also the one who works out every single detail of every life in just the right order. And Jesus doesn't just rule over the hows and the whys. He also rules over all the winds. And he's always right there.